Ralph Rangnick has been hired to salvage Manchester United's season, but his appointment means far more than your usual temporary hire. The Athletics analytics writer John Muller is here to break down eight key statistical areas that define Rangnick's style and how they could apply at Manchester United. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, November 29th. John Muller, thank you so much for coming on the show, and also welcome to the Athletic, uh, because I believe it's only it's only been like a couple couple weeks since you joined, something like that, right? Yeah, this is uh, this is week two. Happy to be here. All right. Um, well, let's get right to it. Uh, Ralph Rangnick is a manager who is famous not so much for his personality, at least not in the same way that maybe Mourinho or Conte or Klopp or people like that are, but. Very, very famous and very renowned for his tactical outlook and sort of the way he puts together teams and the way he asks them to play. You have done a piece for The Athletic um, that sort of dives into some of the numbers behind that philosophy. And in particular, it points out eight different areas that sort of define what you term as a Ragnick ball, which I think is something that we'll be saying a lot on this show. First of all, what was it that sort of drove you to... Uh, do this piece in the first place and what were some of the overall conclusions that you found? So the uh, main thing that drove me to do this piece is that it's a pretty big deal when Manchester United appoints a new manager. It's um, true. I've heard that. Is, <laughs> this is a, a pretty massive deal for us over at the UK side of the athletic. Um, yeah. But, you know, they didn't just get a manager, they got a brand, right? You said he, he puts teams together and that's right. He's not just a coach. He's a guy who's famous for building clubs from the ground up. He did it at Hoffenheim. He did it with the Red Bull system. He basically takes billionaires' money and builds empires. Um, he he does it in a very specific way tactically. He plays differently than just about any other good club and really most clubs around the world. Um, but he has a very specific style that he's implemented successfully uh, in the Red Bull system. So what I was looking at was, you know, he he actually took over as coach of Red Bull Leipzig, Rosenballsport Leipzig, uh, for one season in 2018-19. And so I figured, you know, that's kind of like our purest distillation of like what Ragnick Ball is. So I looked at some stats, sort of key stats that sort of defined his tactical outlook, the way that he plays and what makes it different from other clubs. And then I can compare that to what United is this season. Uh, also notably uh, from this RB Leipzig season, I believe that was the last time he was actually a full-time manager, like hands-on manager. Usually he's more up in the sporting department. Um but those stats uh, that we'll go over sort of one by one here are, uh, and don't worry if some of these terms are unfamiliar to you listeners, we'll, I'm sure John will do a good job of explaining them as we go through, but they are age, pass completion allowed, passes per successful pressure, pressure success percentage, distance per pass, passes per switch, progressive pass share, and a really great term that, I've, that, that I love here, uh, field tilt. Uh, I'm looking forward to that last one. So we're going to save it for last. Let's start with the simplest one. We'll start with age. Uh, RB Leipzig, the average age of that squad, 24 years old, 24 years old. The average age of this Man United squad, 27.6. A little bit of a difference there, John. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when you're taking over as interim manager for six months, there's probably not a whole lot that you can do about age. Um, you know, maybe you can bench Cristiano Ronaldo, although allegedly he was not responsible for him getting benched against Chelsea this weekend. But right. But otherwise, you know, like the age thing, you, you've got what you got. At Red Bull in particular, I think that it was also sort of part of the like brand of the Red Bull empire to like 
play young players on the theory that they would appeal to like the energy drink demo, but also like they were young and they were fast and they were energetic. And that's like essential to Rangnick style, which is all about transitions. So he got young guys, you know, like Tyler Adams has been a mainstay of the the Leipzig squad sure, um, and basically ran their legs off all season. That could be something that maybe is a little bit more relevant when it comes to the two years as a consultant part of the Ragnick to Man United deal. Although who knows what exactly that means. Right, <laughs> it yeah, could yeah. mean everything I, could mean nothing. I think not even United knows what it means yet, but based on, you know, how this season goes, he may or may not have the opportunity to really shape this team into, you know, a Rangnick team. Right. So let's move straight on to things that he might conceivably have some sort of impact on as he takes over. Uh, pa- pass completion allowed. This is pretty straightforward. I assume this is just uh, how many passes uh, or uh, actually, why don't you go ahead and explain it? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wanted to start with basically, you know, the simplest stat that we possibly could, which is how many passes are complete, right? The sure. other team doesn't complete a lot of passes against Rangnick's team. And, you know, normally that's not a very descriptive stat, but in this case, I feel like it really captures what his teams are all about, which is as soon as they lose the ball, they want to counterpress intensely. In Germany, they call it gang impressing. You've heard that, that buzzword. Yes. Uh, and they want to win the ball back as quickly as possible. So the bottom line for Rangnick's team is that they just don't let you string passes together. And that showed up in pass completion rate. I think they allowed like 74.7%, we said. That's correct. Which is, which is very low. You know, I think there were, yeah, it's 94th percentile in terms of not allowing teams to complete passes. And then the next few stats kind of get into how exactly they do that. And the task ahead of him at Man United is, again, a little bit drastic here. Uh, the val- That goes up to 80.5% when you're talking about this current Man United team, uh, the pass completion, completion allowed, which is the 32nd percentile. Uh, so a little bit of work to do there. Uh, it sounds almost like a Liverpool-esque style that he that he wants to impose on a Man United team that is very much not built like Liverpool yet. Yeah, and and specifically more like early Liverpool, right? Sure. Klopp came from that that German gang pressing wave, and uh, about ten years ago, you know, kind of everybody in Germany was doing this, and they were doing it because Ralf Rangnick had kind of made it trendy. Um, now, of course, Klopp had other influence as well, but when he got to Liverpool, they were playing very much like a Rangnick team, and they've lately kind of developed into more of a positional play team, uh, and that's kind of a whole other interesting story that we can talk about with Rangnick after we've described how he plays. Sure. Uh, passes per successful pressure. Uh, we have 9.4 for uh, for Rangnick ball, 86 percentile in the Bundesliga, 13.7 for Man United, which is 10th percentile in the Premier League. Uh, what is passes per successful pressure, John? Yeah. So, you know, Rangnick's whole thing is he's a pressing coach, right? But that can mean a lot of different things. And there are a lot of different ways that you can measure uh, what pressing is. So what this uses is StatsBomb is a data provider who records a pressure event every time a defender comes within five yards of the ball carrier. And if they come within five yards of the ball carrier and then within the next five seconds, uh, the opponent turns it over, then that's called a successful pressure. So all I did was I took the number of pass attempts that an opponent had divided by the number of successful pressures that Leipzig had. And there you get kind of a pressing metric of how often are we really closing you down. And uh, Leipzig scored highly on this. I think they were 86 percentile, but not like super high, right? They're not as intensive a pressing team as the reputation is. It's just that they're, they press in specific moments. 
Right. And in Man United's case, they press hardly at all, considering they're in the 10th percentile <laughs> within their yeah, league. I mean, so that's, another... that's been the big story with United this yeah. season, right? Is that their press has been a mess, uh, especially with Cristiano up top. And they, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of the big question is can they press like a ring team? The next stat pressure success percentage. Uh, what is this? Sounds yeah, very so related. Exactly. So we, we, we talked about what a pressure is coming within about five yards of the ball carrier and a successful pressure is when you cause a turnover. So some teams will press a lot. They'll close you down a lot, but you know, the press is kind of disorganized. And so they wind up pressing a lot and not forcing a lot of turnovers. What makes Rangnick's Leipzig distinctive is not how often they close you down, but how many of those times that they close you down lead to a turnover. So they, they swarm the ball in numbers. They have what's called ball oriented press. And the first guy goes all the way in, you know, he really goes for the tackle. Uh, and sometimes, you know, he'll get dribbled, but because they've got those numbers and that close support, uh, they tend to be very successful when they do press at forcing a turnover. And that's why their pressure success percentage is so high. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. We've talked mostly here about uh, sort of defensive actions and pressing actions and things, but I think this one is also interesting. Distance per pass, very basic, very easy to understand. And another area of stark difference between Ragnick Ball and current Man United, uh, 13.9, I'm not sure, if, is that meters? Uh, yards, yeah. Yards. yards. That would make sense. Yeah. 13.9 yards per pass uh, for RB Leipzig in that year and 15.7 for Man United, which is 47th percentile versus 99th percentile. Uh, what did you find when as you were looking into this, John? Yeah, so even this simple stat is actually uh, trickier than it should be. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to capture two things about the way that Rangnick's teams pass. One is they pass pretty short, right? They like to stay compact in all phases of the game because they know they're going to turn the ball over a lot. And when they do, they want to be close together so that they can counter press. Uh, but a lot of good teams pass short, right? Like circulation, kind of short side to side, like Man City type passes sure. are like a, a common feature of good teams. So Leipzig's not just passing short, they're also passing very fast and very straight ahead. Um, so they have a low completion rate too. So right. what I did here was divide the yardage of their successful passes by their total number of attempts. So this is really distance per pass attempt. And okay. by that, for Leipzig is really unique. And all of Rangnick's uh, kind of the guys that he taught to become coaches, like Bo, Bo Svensson at Mines, uh, Nagelsmann is a little bit different, but uh, like Hassan Huddle at Southampton, all these guys have that same like short passes that are not all that successful because they're very aggressive. The next one you have here is passes per switch. Uh, what do you mean by switch in this in this instance? Yeah, so all this data is coming from FBRF, uh, and I think that the way they define a, a switch is a 40-yard pass uh, across the field, right? Okay. It, it, um, so Rangnick, like I said, he passes straight ahead. He really hates long switches of play, which you know some very good teams like Real Madrid, for example, do love long switches of play. Tony Kroos will hit those all day long. Uh, Rangnick just wants to get to goal as fast as possible, and so... He's unique. Uh, Leipzig was unique, and I think they had like 46 passes per switch of play. They just don't do it very much unless they're really trapped. So, so passes per switch, meaning like the number of times they knock it around before they decide to completely change the point of attack. Uh, they had 46.1. That's they're in the 95th percentile there. And Man United, 
this team that he's coming to is currently in the 12th percentile. The theme of this piece seems to be that there is a much there is much work to do to bring Man United up to Rangnick Ball standards, if indeed that is his goal, um, which I would think it would be. Uh, progressive pass share is the next one. Uh, what do you mean by progressive pass share here? Oh, God. So FBR's definition is the best. <laughs> um, but basically, we can summarize it as like a pass that goes 10 yards forward or enters the box. Like that's kind of the short version. Um, and there, there are a lot of different ways to define progressive passes. But by this definition, they're progressive passes per attempt. I think they were completing one progressive pass uh, for almost every 10 pass attempts, which is really insanely aggressive. Uh, I think they're 99th percentile for that one. Yeah. And Manchester United, uh, like you said, plays much more like your typical top team, which kind of favors low, kind of slow circulation, switches a play. They don't go progressive all that much. Uh, I, I forget what percentile they're in. Fifty uh, first. Yeah, and and that's like yeah. that's one of their most ranking like features, right? Yeah. So yeah, and that's cut out for them. Yeah, and that's the closest. We got fifty fifty first percentile versus one hundredth percentile. You have it on this yeah. on yeah. this graphic, which is hard to get much higher than the hundredth per- percentile. I think um, out of 490 teams that I looked at, only last season's Atalanta had more frequent progressive passes than Red Bull. Yep, that that tracks. Um, the last one, my favorite personal term on this list, field tilt. John, explain what field tilt is. Yes, I made I made Tom Morville, who was uh, our last UK data guy, mad with this because field tilt was his baby. And uh-huh. I define it slightly differently just to make things simple. Uh, I probably should have used his definition. Uh, but basically, it's it's you know, you can have a lot of possession, but where is that possession happening, right? Are you keeping the ball down at the attacking end, or you know, is it an end to end game? So all I used for field tilt was just what share of all the touches in the game, no matter who has the ball, are happening down at Leipzig's opponent's end, and by that measure, they they scored very highly, I think ninety fifth percentile or above, uh, because even though they're not a possession team, and even though they're not you know completing a lot of passes. They're keeping the ball down at your end uh, so that when they cause a lot of turnovers, which is the whole you know goal of their style of play, right. they don't care who has the ball, right? They don't care if it's them or you. They want to cause chaos and they want to cause it close to your goal so that they can you know quickly break through and, and create scoring opportunities that way. So we've been through each of these sort of data points. We've talked a little bit about the age factor and how that's not exactly something that can be solved uh, over the course of a single interim period. Um, but as you look at some of these other numbers, John, what what of them do you think are the most possible to bring up into line with uh, with Ragnick Ball numbers? And uh, what sort of effect do you think that'll have on the Man United team? Like, what does this look like as we actually watch Man United play in the next, say, two, three months? I mean, I think if you watched the beginning of the first half of the United Chelsea game, you could already see the team like they had clearly read some things about their new boss and they were trying to impress him. Uh, Uh It wasn't very organized, but like the energy is there. United has a lot of like young and youthful like guys who run all all day long if that's what you want from them. It's more about like, can you coordinate that press, right? Can you teach them what the pressing triggers are? Can you make sure that everybody knows how to move at the same time? I think, you know, there were moments in that game where, Sancho and Bruno were literally like arguing with each other over who was supposed to press where and how like they just don't know. Right. So you coordinate that the passing behavior again, I think is like, it's pretty easy to tell guys, Hey, we just want to pass vertically. Now it's a little bit harder to, uh, you know, make sure that the receivers are, are in the spots where you want, make sure that you're following up on those short vertical passes with a guy who's in position to counter press if the pass is incomplete. So I think that all that, all that stuff, like you'll see, 
very quickly you'll see United trying to do it. Um, but we've seen, you know, with RB Leipzig this season under Jesse Marsh, they've kind of tried to return to a more Rangnicky style after Julian Nagelsmann kind of mellowed things out a little bit. And it's been a little messy, right? When you're trying miss. to be this yeah. aggressive, right. If you're trying to be this aggressive, you really have to, you know, be on the ball. And if you're not, it can cost you. So I think what we'll see is kind of a messy United for the next few months. And maybe by the end of the season, they'll, they'll start to get these patterns down. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that all that develops. John Muller, thank you so much for guiding us through some of the numbers behind Ragnarok Ball. Uh, we'll check back in with you as these th- as these things develop. Thanks for having me on. Elsewhere in soccer today, it's actually pretty quiet, and this is technically tomorrow, but in between now and our next episode, the U.S. Women's National Team plays its second friendly against Australia. That kicks off at 4 a.m. Eastern on ESPN, so those of you that are night owls, for whatever reason, can watch that live, or you can put it on your DVR. The U.S., of course, won the first of those games 3-0 over the weekend. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year's subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all.